Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John 4, beginning at verse 4. The scripture is uh, going to repeat what Peter, Paul, and Mary are going to sing for us in a few minutes. So uh, let's look at the text together. But Jesus needed to go through Samaria, so he came to a city of Samaria, Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came and drew water. And Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. When then... Will you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of living water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me some of that water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have said well, you have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and one of them that you now have is not your husband in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes... He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. There was a man sitting at the well. His name was Jesus. He's about 30 years old. He looks like he's in good health. But he has been walking all morning. And by noon, he was tired, he was hot, and he was thirsty. So he sat down by this well to rest. The well had been there for hundreds of of years. And this traveler was very thirsty. The man has no means to draw the water out of the well, 
So he sits down beside it and just waits. The friends of Jesus have gone into the city to buy food. Soon they will be back and everyone will eat and drink together. There is a road that goes from the well to the city. And as Jesus waits, he sees someone coming down that road from the city. He thinks, well, that's one of my disciples that's coming back early. Well, as the person comes closer, Jesus realizes that it's a woman. It's not a man. And she comes closer. Jesus notices that she is dressed in cheap, gaudy clothes, like a prostitute would wear. The closer she walks, it becomes obvious to her that she has lived a fast and sinful life. That was obvious to anybody that saw her. Jesus had a miraculous power to know the heart of everybody. He still does. He still knows everything that we have ever done, every single thing. Well, Jesus looked at this woman and knew everything that she'd ever done. Her past actions had filled her life with problems, one problem after another, all of her life. As she approaches the well, she sees this Jew, Jesus. She knows immediately who he is. Uh, He's a Jew. He's just sitting there. She knows his nationality at once. She has strong racial resentment in her heart, and that wells up within her. She hates this man. She's never even met him. It really surprises her when the stranger greets her with a request for a favor. Jesus says to her, would you give me a drink of water? The average Jew of that day would never, ever speak to a Samaritan. That just wouldn't happen. This woman was lower in the estimation of the average Jew than a street dog. I mean, they just didn't think these people were worth anything. There's no scorn in the voice of Jesus as he asked for a drink. Yet this Samaritan woman glories in the fact that she has him at a disadvantage. She has a way to get the water, and Jesus doesn't. She is probably thinking to herself, these Jews, they're so high-handed about everything. They never have anything to do with us. They hate us. They despise us. They wish we weren't here. And then, here's this guy, and he asked me for a favor. Can you believe that? They never use us except when they need something. That's the only time there would ever be any interaction. Well, with these thoughts running through her mind, she says to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? How does that happen? Jesus does not answer her as she expects. He makes no apology whatsoever for his request. He does not show any resentment in his voice, any contempt in his attitude. He does not answer scorn with scorn. In verse 10, he says, if. Now, if is the key word in this whole passage. If. You only knew what a wonderful gift God has for you and who I am. Would you ask me for some living water? 
There's a, a real tenderness in his voice, and the woman wasn't familiar with that at all. She had never in her life had a Jew say anything nicely to her. Note carefully what the master said. There is a tragic if in his words. If you only knew. Jesus is basically saying, you don't know. That's obvious. You don't know. You do not know the marvelous opportunity that is standing in front of you right now, face to face. You do not know. You are unaware of how close you are to the well of eternal life. That's the way it is with many of us today. We are so close to Jesus, and yet we don't realize it. There was an inadequate vision inside of this woman, and some of us here today have the same inadequate vision. If we could realize how close Jesus is to us, we would ask him to help us with all the burdens we would ever have. All the physical burdens, all the financial burdens, all the relational burdens. We'd ask him, we'd say, Lord, please help us with that. Well, Jesus is offering to her and to us companionship and friendship. I hope that all of us realize how close he is to us today. If you only knew, Jesus says, Jesus is talking to this woman who has been through many shattered romances. She's been through a whole lot of those. If she were alive today, she'd be on TV with Oprah. (laughs) She would be on TV with Jerry Springer. Uh, She would be on all the shows that talk about things like that. She is a woman of ill repute, a woman of shame. Five times she's been married. She doesn't think there's anything sacred about marriage. In fact, she doesn't think there's anything sacred about anything. If you saw a woman like this walking down the street, you would probably get your grandkids off to the side and and walk them by her just as quickly as you possibly could. You would think, oh my, that's another ruined life. A ruined life. She's never going to be anything but a, a bag of heartache and sorrow. You wouldn't expect her to change. You know, many times we look at people and say, well, they're going to be like that all their life. You probably would never dream that this tattered woman with cheap and tarnished clothes on would ever guess that she had a hunger for spiritual things. You would probably never dream that the outcast heathen woman had moments of a real desire for God. But she did. She did. As Jesus talked with her by the well, he knew that in spite of her wasted years, in spite of her tarnished past, in spite of all the passions that she has had through the years that had literally driven her into the gutter of life, there was still within her that which hungered and thirsted for goodness, and for God. There are some wonderful Christians in our congregation today who can relate to this woman's desire for God. 
There is no one here who has lived a perfect life, not one. There's probably one or two of you that think you have, but but you haven't. There is known sin in all of our lives. There might be a few here today, men and women, whose lives are a lot like this woman's. You had a period in your life when you did all this kind of stuff. You have knocked around in life and tried a lot of things and a lot of people. And now you're trying to find God. Well, God's here today. He is with us in a very special way. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now. You know, the Lord has all kinds of power. He can knock the door of our heart down if he wants to. He can get a crowbar and kind of work his way in, but he doesn't do that. He waits on us to say, Lord, I have faith in you. Would you come into my heart? When that happens, he comes in to the door as you open the door. That's your part. About the only difference in the saint and the sinner is that the saint knows what will calm his thirst. The saint knows what can satisfy the deepest deepest longings of his life. The sinner does not know what can satisfy. They're just kind of looking around, going from here to there. Jesus really knows and understands men and women. He knows their hearts. He knows your heart. He knows my heart. We understand about this woman, we think, as we look at her. Jesus sees her in a completely different light. He understands what all she's been, what all she's done. He knows today that every man, every woman, no matter how degraded their life might be, that no matter how soiled and stained they might be, There is in every human being a longing for God. It might not be there all the time, but it's there part of the time. You know, the soldiers, they're out in those foxholes, and the bullets are going by, and the bombs are blowing up. I guarantee you there's a lot of religion out on that plane. You know, when things have happened to you, when you have been through a divorce, when you have been through a a financial meltdown when you've been through this, when you've been through that. There was a time in there somewhere when you turned to the Lord and says, Lord, please help me. And you'd never given any evidence of believing in the Lord. But during that particular time, the death of a mate, the death of a child or a parent, you turn to him. There is in every human a longing for God. Now, people don't always know what they're searching for. But I believe Augustine was right when he said, God has made us for himself, and we never find rest until we find rest in him. I know a lot of people today that are searching. They're searching here and searching there. They're going from one bar to another, from one social group to another, moving around from state to state, city to city. Maybe it'd be more fun to live uh, in central Florida than here. Maybe it'd be more fun to live in Miami than here. Maybe it'd be more fun to live in Tallahassee than here. Uh, That thirst has burned in the heart of man since the beginning of time. 
always trying to find the thing that they're looking for. This is not new. It's been going on forever. This unclean woman at the well was looking for something. She really was. Jesus knew that. He knew that in spite of her life and her sin, she longed to be good and pure and holy. Nobody else could see that, but Jesus could. People are like that today. You might say, preacher, I've got a business associate. I think he's a crook. He takes the Lord's name in vain all the time. He is a rough, rough character. He laughs at religion. They don't want anything to do. He and his close friends, they don't want anything to do with spiritual things. And because we think that about them, we never share anything spiritual with them. We just back off and say, well, they don't don't want what I have to offer. So we back off. If the deepest facts about them were known, you would know that they have a longing in their heart for God. Maybe not all the time, but some of the time. Whoever it is, wherever they are, there are times when they are restless and heartsick and homesick for God. Dare to speak to your friend about Christ. And one day, guess what? They'll be open to it. You have to catch them at just the right time. They'll be open to it. But if you're living the right kind of life before them, and they've seen you bow your head and pray at lunch, and they've seen you try and build people up, you're going to be the one that they're going to come to in their darkest hour and say, tell me about this God thing. I don't know anything about God. But evidently, whatever I'm doing isn't right, and I need God. Tell me about it. Well, Jesus puzzled this lady, and she wanted to talk to him. She started talking to him, just like he was another normal person. Jesus makes a very strong claim. He says to her, if you drink from this water, and he points to the well, if you drink from this water, you'll be thirsty again. But the water that I can give will quench your thirst forever. Forever. A lot of us here today have dug wells that we thought were going to satisfy us. And they did for a while. But then came that thirst again. There's pleasure in sin for a season. We all know that. But then the seasons change and we're thirsty again. Wells that we have dug never satisfy permanently. To drink from them is like drinking seawater. The more you drink, the more you have to have. There is a thirst in our souls that cannot be satisfied with things, with fads, or even with people. That can't meet our need. A heavy diet of any of those is like brackish and bitter water. Only God can supply to us and satisfy our eternal thirst. Some of you here today perhaps want to build a a well of fame. Well, you can do that, but it won't quench your thirst forever. Maybe you want to dig a well of power or of pleasure. You can do that, but you will not be satisfied. Jesus says to the woman, this well can never permanently satisfy you. 
No well of this world can do that. Then Jesus makes a marvelous claim, which incidentally he has made good through all of these generations. I can give you a well that will satisfy you, will satisfy you forever. Jesus is saying, I'll give you that fountain. So many wells in this world are the type that you have to go to again and again to get what you need. They are external wells, and sometimes they're very hard to get to. If you are ever in a battle with evil, sometimes your well can cave in, or they can pile big rocks in your well. Or you can be cut off from your well by the forces that come against you. But Jesus says, the fountain that I'm talking about is a fountain within you. It's not outside of you. It's inside of you. It is independent from your foes. No battle can separate you from it. Many of the old ruined castles in England have right in the middle of them a living spring. And in all these years, that has always been a wonderful thing. Fresh water from a spring right in the middle of the place where you live. What a treasure a well like that would be to the man that owned the well. The enemy could besiege the castle and they could shut off uh, this or that, but they can't shut off the well inside the castle. When you have a fountain within, it is independent from all outside forces. It is a blessing indeed. When Jesus started telling the woman about the living water, she said, Sir, Could I have some of that water? Please give me some of that water. Jesus then confronts her with the sin of her life, with her past. She doesn't like it, and she tries to change the subject. She wants to argue about where the proper place of worshiping God would be. Jesus doesn't want to argue. He simply reveals himself as the Messiah. The Christ, he lets her know that he is the living water. Notice that she is not thirsty any longer. Isn't that something? She'd walked a long way on a hot day to get some water. And now she's not thinking about water at all. She forgets the errand that brought her to the well to get water for herself and others of friends and family. Notice that she forgets the empty water pot. Even that wasn't important. In fact, she walked off from that, just left it right there, and she ran into the city. She made a marvelous discovery. Her past did not keep her from sharing her testimony. A lot of people knew exactly who she was and what she'd been about all her life. And, of course, they didn't want to hear her, but she went back and she told the gospel message to everybody. There's a man out there at the well that's the the Messiah. He is the Messiah. And the scripture says that many believe because of the sayings of this woman. If you have never found the fountain that can really fully and eternally satisfy you, remember, you can't buy the water. And the water is not to be earned. It's a gift that God wants to give to you. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ Our Lord. 
today if you're in the house and you would like to make public your profession of faith as this woman did. You'd like to say, today's the day. I'm trusting in Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe there are some that have been visiting with us for a period of time. And you'd like to come and join our family. We would love to have you. The doors of the church are wide open. We want you to come and be a brother and a sister to each one of us. We want to reach out to you in any way that we possibly can. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads you, we're going to sing a song. You just slip out, slip forward, and say yes to Jesus. Let's stand as we sing.